0: Choices, everything in life is about choices. We are where we are today because of the choices that we've made in the past. We will be in the future where we will be because of the choices that we will make in the future. God said, I have placed before you life and death, light and darkness. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day which way that you will walk. And so that's the choice we all have to make. We are all born into a dark world and we go from a dark womb to a dark tomb. And in the midst, we have all experienced pain and we have experienced problems, real life issues, It is clear the Bible says that we have all gone our own way, and there are times that we've gone our own way, and it was the wrong way. And yet in the midst of the mess of life, it's so easy to miss God. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were begging God to send the Messiah, and he was in the room with them, and they killed him. They missed it. And so they were asking, where is he? And so for for thousands of years, all of recorded history, mankind has asked the question, where is God? Can there even be a God in the midst of the mess in the world and the mess in my life? Where is he in my pain and my problems? It's so difficult to walk in the pitch black when you can't see your next step. But the scripture is clear that God has left the light on. It wasn't always like this, the world that you and I experienced. God created a perfect environment in Genesis chapter one, a perfect universe and a perfect garden. And he put Adam and Eve in the garden and life was perfect. There was no sin, there was no shame, there was total innocence. The Bible says they were naked and they didn't even realize it. It was incredible. And yet they, like us, slipped away from the light and into darkness because something the Bible calls sin, where we have rebelled against what God says in his word. And because of the sin of Adam and Eve so long ago, the world was cursed. And because of their sin, we have all experienced problems today. And so that causes us to say, where is God? Does God exist? If God exists, Where is he? And if God exists, then why doesn't God love me or care about me in the midst of the pain that I experience? And far too many of us look at our heavenly father and we compare him or actually attribute to our heavenly father the same attributes of our earthly father. And for many of us, when it comes to earthly father, all we know is abandonment.
1: It was great seeing you, son. You too. Lou. Yeah. yeah. um. I'm sorry, Will. You know what actually this works out better for me. You know, the slimmies of summer come to class wearing next to nothing, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's all right to be angry. Hey, well, why should I be mad? I'm saying, at least he said goodbye this time. I just wish I hadn't wasted my money buying this stupid present. I'm sorry. I, you know, if there was something that I hey, could you know do. what? You ain't got to do no nothing, Uncle Phil. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old. You know, ain't like I'm gonna be sitting up every night asking my mom when's Daddy coming home. You know, who needs him? Hey, He wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty good at it didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Did. Got through my first date without him. Right? Mm. I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a d- card. I ain't need him then, and I don't need him now. Well, well Now, nah, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm gonna get through college without him. I'm gonna get a great job without him. I'm gonna marry me a beautiful honey, and I'm having me a whole bunch of kids. I'm be a better father than he ever was. And I sure don't need him for that, because ain't... Thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come you don't want me, man?
0: come, he don't want me, man. See, my dad didn't want me. And so, I understand the pain of abandonment. I understand being alone and confused. I understand heartache and wondering. I understand anger. And I get feeling like you're all alone and nobody cares. But the real truth, the eternal truth is this, that our Heavenly Father loves us and he's been looking for us our whole life. Just like he did when Adam and Eve sinned, and they ate the forbidden fruit, and they lost their innocence, they realized they're naked, they sew fig leaves together, and they, they hide because they hear God coming, and God says, Adam, where are you? Now, God knew where Adam was. Where are you? Well, I was naked, and so I hid. Oh, who told you that you were naked? because that's not words I gave you. See, God has always been after us because God loves us. See, a lot of people say, wow, this book is old. It's just a religious book. This book is not really a religious book. This book is actually a book about God. A lot of people say, well, the book's about us. No, this book is about God and God's pursuit of mankind. God is the subject of this book and you and I are the direct object. Because we are the object of God's love and affection, his light and his love. He said in Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were sinners at enmity, flipping God off, when we didn't care about God, he sent his son to die for us. Demonstrating, proving, cutting the light on. And if we can just be real, come on, if faith problems we're wrong, we're real, we're not about a fashion show here. We're not about who drives the coolest car, who's got the most money. We're really about. Real people with real problems, experiencing the real love of God. So if we can be real, come on, have we all, hadn't we all sinned? Or, I mean, we're not perfect, are we? And so what does God do throughout all of recorded to human history? He sends apostles. He sends priests and prophets. He sends all these men and women to try to warn, to try to woo, to try to shine the light, to try to let people see how much he loved us. Matter that's, fact, that's what Easter was all about. God in his grace and his mercy sent Jesus. He pierced the darkness. The Bible says, and the people saw a great light and God walked among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world and he that walks in me will walk in light and life. And so Jesus passes the light from his life to us so that we can have life and light again. God is always leaving the light on for us. He said in John 10.10, 10, I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. It says in John 3.16, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, and the word belief is not just a mental assent, but it is an intimate relationship. It's an intimate knowledge. Whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, Good Friday, when he was crucified, during Passion Week, everybody thought the light was snuffed out. The disciples went back to fishing. Everybody thought it. Can I tell you something? You cannot douse the light of God. You can't get bad enough or sinful enough. You can't put it out. Heaven knows mankind has tried to put God's light out, haven't we? Man, we're, I mean, people say God doesn't exist. And they hammer the church and they hammer God. Well, every religion, see, religion is man trying to work their way to God. Every religion ultimately tries to put God's light out and shine their own light because they believe they created a new path to get to God. Jesus said, there is no way to get to the Father but by me. And on the cross and on Easter, Jesus broke down every barrier, every division, Every divide between you and God, it literally was torn down. When Jesus died, the veil in the temple that blocked the holy of holies six-inch thick was ripped from the top to the bottom. When Jesus died on the cross, God sliding open the veil and saying, everyone's welcome to walk in my light and my love. That's what God did. They covered the earth once again with his light. Jesus gives everyone... Even those with a glimmer of hope for a second chance, he gives us light. I don't know about you, but we all need a do-over. Would y'all agree with that? I play golf. I don't really play golf. I go to a golf course to swing a golf club because I'm terrible. To say that I'm terrible is actually a lot of grace for me. And so when I play golf, I have a lot of mulligans. See, people play golf. Golf is a game of the law. When I play golf, it's a grace game. So, if I had a bad drive, I just put another one down and say, Mulligan, grace, I'm forgiven. I put it right down, Jesus, cross, come on. And if I hit another one say, oh, third time, come on, God, help me here. And I hit one and, and, and see, I don't finish 18 holes. I played a lot. I don't have any more golf balls. So, I don't keep score. The way I figure I win is if I find more golf balls than I lose, if I leave with more, victory. Tiger Woods winning the Masters. I mean, it's victory. (laughs) So see, we all need a mulligan. We all need a do-over. My life was so jacked up. Got high for the first time when I was 10 years old, 5 stepdads. My life was jacked. I was a drug addict. I was a dope dealer. At 22, overdose, ended up in Memorial Hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And in that room, the light shined again. Not because I was worthy. Not because I deserved it, because I didn't. I was horrible. But see, God's love is greater than my horribleness. Are you with me? It's just greater and his light shining in that room and he said, I'm gonna give you another chance. I'm gonna give you a mulligan. I'm gonna give you a do-over. You get a brand new slate. I'm forgiven all your sins. I'm gonna give you a brand new heart, brand new start, brand new spirit. Come on, I'm gonna give you life. Come on, walk in my light and my love and that was 37 years ago and I hadn't gotten over it and I am the most blessed guy you know. It's incredible what God has done. I never dreamed. Now God shines the light, but here's the problem. Now let's listen. If you listen, say I am. I am. Pride blocks the light. Pride blocks the light. When my daughter was little, Candace Faith, it didn't matter what it was, I do it, I do it, me do it, I do it, I do it. And now just wanted to tear her head off until God she died. And 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 now she has a little girl. And there, when they come over, her little girl, Bella, says, I do it, I do it. And I love it. (laughs) I just relish in it. You see, when it comes to God, we all say, I do it, I do it, me do it. Because we think we can do it our own way, and we simply can't. You can't create light. You can't be, you can't work up forgiveness. So maybe you're hearing your hope for a future is flickering. I got some good news There is a light, and his name is Jesus, and he's still loving and shining the light. And he proved it by coming back out of the grave on Easter Sunday morning, the most incredible day of all of eternity when Jesus came out of that grave. Now, many of you here, you may have heard some of that story or all of that story, but I'm here to tell you that you are here by divine appointment. You were prayed for, people have fasted for you, they have have looked for you, we prepared for you, maybe you were invited, maybe you just like me, I just showed up one Sunday after the light shined in in that room, in that hospital. But deep in your heart, you know that something is drawing you out of the darkness and into the light. And his name is Jesus. He wants to save you, walk with you, fill you, bless you, and help you walk in the light. So if you're ready for a clean slate, if you're ready for a new life, if you're ready to have the light of heaven shine in you and on you and through you, if you're ready to turn away from your old life and turn to Jesus, He's ready to receive you. See, for all of my childhood and my early adult life, I had a hole as big as a Mack truck in my heart. And I thought drugs or sex or everything else in the world was going to fill it until that day in that hospital bed. When I said yes to Jesus and the light flooded that room, I knew what was missing. And so he's ready. He's ready. He's left the light on. It says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart we believe resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth we confess resulting in salvation. Now, I want to introduce you to someone. A few minutes ago, we watched, uh, we watched a video based on someone at Faith Promise, based on a lady that goes to our at Campus, and her name is Nikki, and this is the lady who the video was about. Come on, give her a hand, would you? (laughs) See, Nikki had an opportunity. She had a handful of pills, and she had the possibility of the light. She threw those pills away. She said yes to Jesus. Her marriage stayed strong. Her child is wonderful. She goes to our Farragut campus, she leads three small groups, works with the students over there, and she has been following the light because she made the choice to follow Jesus. Thank you, Nikki. See, we're not about fairy tales of faith promise, we're about real people with real problems experiencing real, experiencing real transformation. So if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, Maybe you feel like you've been a Christian all your life, but you don't have a relationship with God. If you're you're ready to walk in, no matter where you've been or what you've done, if you're ready to begin a relationship, then he's ready. So at all of our campuses, with every head bowed and every eye closed, should pray this simple but extraordinarily profound prayers. You open your heart up and we do what the Bible says in Romans 9 and 10. So we're gonna pray this prayer out loud with you. Pray it with us if you're ready. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. You died for me. You rose from the grave. Now I will live for you. I will follow you all of my life. Still with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that Simple prayer with me. If you'd prayed it and you meant it, would you just lift your hand up? Just lift your hand say, Pastor, I prayed that hand, I prayed with you. Just go ahead ahead and raise it up. Just go ahead, raise it up. Still Still heads are bowed. Our ushers are handing out some things to the people that just raised their hands. Okay, look up here. Now probably, I don't know, 25 or 30 people in this service just said yes to Jesus. And that's the thing that caused heaven to rejoice. Last night, last night, over 100 people said yes to Jesus and 34 baptisms last night. It was incredible. God is at work. Now Jesus dies on the cross He comes out of the grave, he spends a little time giving his disciples, the apostles, the last of his instructions, and then he goes to heaven, and he said that my gathering, which we call the church, he said, my gathering, you will be a city that will be set upon a hill. He said that we would be his light into a dark world. Now, I know that there is no such thing as a perfect church, and I'm certainly not a perfect pastor. And I know for some of you, you've been in church in the past, and the church really probably, there are some of you, the church just screwed over. Maybe you grew up in a mean, legalistic preacher was mad at everybody for everything. Why well, are preachers mad? Didn't he say he'd give us life and give it to us abundantly? And I'm loving life. I'm not mad at I'm mad at the devil. I love y'all. And so I know, maybe if, if church has failed you, I'm so Sorry. But this is what god said you need to be planted in a house we all need a spiritual family to help fan the flame and see the light over the years people have asked me hey chris you know everyone about the drugs you never you always stay faithful to the lord man what what how come how come i i don't seem to be able to stay true and you've just stayed so faithful i'm gonna tell you because I got planted in the house. I got saved on Thursday. I walked down the aisle on Sunday, didn't know anything about anything, but I had the light shined on me of Jesus and I knew I loved him. And I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, training union. If they had a worm race on the parking lot, I was there with my worm. I'm telling you, I got planted in the house. And that's what God wants all of us to do. He wants us to get planted in the house you say the church is full of hypocrites of course it is we're all hypocrites come on you're in great company <laughs> anybody perfect in the house no i give you find a perfect church don't join it because you'll ruin it <laughs> amen so we're not perfect and i'm not perfect but we want you to come Matter of fact, next weekend, the weekend after Easter, you've heard Justin Flom, world-renowned illusionist, going to be doing a couple of three tricks through the message as we talk about the deception of the devil. It's going to be incredible. So I'm, I'm going to challenge you to be back, man. Just be back. See, just make, make this a priority, being in the house of God. We aren't perfect, but there's no such thing as a perfect family. We're passionate about God. We're passionate about you. and We're passionate about God's light. And so this family, when you get into a spiritual family, we've got more purpose than the people in darkness could ever dream about. So our first step, our first step, and about, I don't know, 25, 30 people said yes to Jesus. Our first step, when we said yes, it happens in Acts chapter 1 and 2. In Acts chapter 2, the, the Spirit of God comes. They preach. 3,000 people are saved. They all march straight down the Jordan River, and they all get baptized right then. See, the first step is going public for Jesus through baptism. Jesus said, if you profess me before men, I'll profess you before my Father, which is in heaven. And so the first step is getting into the waters of baptism. You say, but I'm going to do that sometime in the future. I'm not ready. We knew you were coming. We planned for you. We got shorts and t-shirts. We got clothes for you to be baptized in. You can put your clothes back on. It'll be fine. It'll be lovely. You'll have wet hair for Jesus. Be great. And so I almost want to challenge you. This is man the reason that a lot of people come every Easter and Christmas and raise their hand every time because they never step farther into the light. I'm God wants you. The one that died for you, the Lord Jesus said, step out. So. Man, we we want to help you move. This new light in your life is meant to be seen. So your decision is about going public. We are not ashamed of the good news, for it's the power of God into salvation. And so now that you belong to Jesus, you got to step farther and farther and farther into the light. So baptism is your first. And some of you just said yes, Jesus. Others, man, you got baptized when you were a kid. Maybe you got. confirm when you were eight days old, but none of that was your decision. Every baptism, water baptism in the Bible, in the New Testament, was somebody that said yes to Jesus on their own, and yes, I want to be baptized. Yes, I want in. It's putting the uniform on. Are you with me? It's just putting the Christian uniform on. It's like my wedding ring. When I got married 35 years ago to my incredibly wonderful bride, When we were exchanging our vows, we exchanged rings. Now, if I lose this ring, am I still married? I'm in trouble, but I'm still married. And so baptism is the wedding ring. It's putting the Christian uniform on. Are you with me? Now, here's what typically happens in a time like this. 30, 40 people raise their hands. 10 people walk out. Next year, those people come back. They raise their hand again. Listen, this is the last time you're going to raise your hand. You're going to walk in the light greater and greater degree, We're going to help you walk in the light. You're going to walk in victory. You're going to walk in deliverance. You're going to walk in joy. You're going to walk to a whole nother level. So I'm going to count to three in just a second. You, you'll be able to get up, go straight out the back doors. Somebody will be there. They'll fill out a card. They'll pray with you. They'll take you around, but give you some clothes. You'll go, you'll change, you'll line up. We're going to sing and worship. And as we're worshiping, then we're gonna do baptisms. And if the service to so many people come, the service is over. Your friends and family will go around the Baptist baptistries or wherever it's at or whatever campus you're at. And they're gonna wait and we're just gonna keep baptizing people too. We're done in Jesus' name. But come on right now. I'm asking you to go public for the one that publicly died for you. Publicly rose from the grave. Publicly gave up his life publicly stood with love and light for you, I'm asking you, listen, it may not be politically or culturally correct, but I don't care if that's what God wants, that's what I want. So I'm gonna count to three. Y'all ready? You're not ready. Y'all ready? I'm gonna count to three and then we're just, people gonna start getting up and we're just gonna tear the roof down cheering. Are y'all ready? Here it goes, help, help me, Promisers. One, two, three. All right, come on. Make your way on back there. There we go. Come on. Just head on back there. Come on. Come on. Make your way out. There we go. Come on. Come on. Somebody cheer while heaven shouts. Come on. Come on. Let's stand to our feet so they can get out. And let's worship the one that rose from the grave. Come on.